Beef Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the January issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled The Likelihood of Regional Triggers Under the Industry's Proposed 75% Rule. To discuss this article, I'm joined today by the author, Dr. Elliot Dennis, who's a livestock marketing specialist with the University of Nebraska. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Dennis. Yeah, thanks for having me, Aaron. Well, Dr. Dennis, give us a little background on this article that you wrote. It first appeared and was published in the Cattle Markets newsletter, and that was back in early December. And since that time, quite a bit of water's gone under the bridge, so to speak. But give us some background on why this rule was proposed, what are some of the policies that are present in that, and then also some work you've done in terms of looking at an analysis of how would this proposed rule have worked in light of past events. Yeah, so this whole policy dubbed by NCBA as the 75% rule really came about through concerns that arose and have been really been around really pre-COVID, but brought to light during COVID about the level of negotiated cash trade um, in the fed cattle industry. As there was concern about whether certain regions were contributing a fair share of negotiated trade, the United States Senate and the House of Representatives introduced several bills that would essentially have mandated a certain level of negotiated trade by region. So the two that were introduced in the Senate were uh, Senator Grassley from Iowa, which was dubbed the 50-14 rule, which would have required packers to procure 50% of all cattle through negotiated trade. Senator Fisher from Nebraska later introduced what she called the cattle transparency bill. And really what that did was basically took Senator Grassley's bill and said, allow each region to set regional minimums that they have to obtain. These bills included more than just these levels of negotiated trade, such as like a cattle contract library with Senator Fisher's bill. And then Congressman Johnson uh, from South Dakota with others introduced what they called the Price Act, which essentially developed the cattle contract library as well and really tried to approach it from the, the packing plant perspective. The industry uh, historically has been really against regulation, uh, government regulation on the way they do business. So purchasing animals using grid framework and purchasing animals via negotiated trade where we negotiate the price is really a, a way that people choose to do business. And so in order to basically avert some of the legislation that was being proposed in the Senate and the House, the National Cattlemen's Organization introduced what they called the 75% rule, which is basically a voluntary framework that includes both the cattle feeder and the packing plants. And they have to meet certain regional-based minimums in the negotiated trade marketplace. In order for them to seek legislation in the market, they set out a series of, of what they call triggers. And if these triggers were occurring in a certain percentage of the weeks, 75% of the weeks in a given quarter, then they would go and say, we're going to seek, seek legislation. So essentially what I did in this paper, which is I took NCBA's uh, policy and I analyzed it and said, had this policy been in place prior to, prior to this year, 
how likely would the cattle feeding section of this policy triggered? And that's kind of what the, the paper goes over. And then I look at, you know, eight or nine uh, features of the policy that really impact the results. So what's the status of this policy currently? So according to NCBA, this policy goes into effect January 1st, 2021. And by going into effect, it's, it's a little bit, I guess, vague because nothing actually changes in the way that we do business. And really all this is, is monitoring the way cattle are sold. And within a week, you know, if 75% of the cattle traded of a certain minimum are met, then that week passes. And then over a quarter, we aggregate it up and see if that quarter within a given state met regional minimums. So really the policy is starting to be monitored or cattle trade is starting to be monitored as of January 1st, 2021. And we really really will have our first analysis of how a quarter did for a certain state in some time in March. It's important to note that only the cattle feeding side has been developed. NCBA and others are still working on developing their four packing plant regions. And so it's really a combination of triggers that happen at the cattle feeding side and triggers that happen at the packing plant side. So they're still actually developing that policy for the, for the packing plants. As you went back and looked at some recent black swan events, such as the Holcomb fire and also the COVID-19 pandemic and the resulting of shutting down of plants, how would the current policy that's in place would it have triggered during those black swan events? What would have occurred as you look back in terms of trying to think about if this policy had been in place before, what difference would it have made? Yeah. So when I looked, went and looked back on, basically they have four regions. It's the Nebraska, Colorado are combined in one, the Texahoma region, the Kansas region, and the Iowa, Minnesota region. And really the only time that this would have triggered would have been back in 2014 um, and into 2015. Then going into into this past year in 2019, really only one region was triggering at that time due to confidentiality reasons. And really when we look at COVID-19 and all that, it, it didn't actually really affect, I should say, within a quarter, the whether that policy would have triggered or not. Uh, same thing with the Holcomb fire. A lot of these events, especially the Holcomb fire was a, an event that people thought were going to have long-term implications, really cattle trade normalized after two or three weeks. COVID-19 was a little bit similar, but really after three or four months, we've been, com- were able to completely work through the backlog in cattle and we're basically at uh, similar levels we were at a year before. So the policy per se, doesn't, I guess, trigger more often during these black swan events than it, than it would have otherwise. What are some key things you think producers should know and understand about the policy? So the policy uh, has a lot of details. I think really what we're producers themselves should be concerned about is this level of trade and really what we call it's the percent of robust trade. That number matters a lot. So whether right now it's set at 75% of robust trade, 
And so, and that's set by certain regions. And then also the percentage of weeks that are required to meet reporting. And so producers, you know, as they're monitoring the cattle markets, one of the long-term implications this policy has is that um, over time, if certain regions stop meeting confidentiality or if they, they're not meeting regional minimums, we may start to see the way people do business shift. We might start to see certain regions start doing more negotiated trade or more grid in certain weeks. And so monitoring you know, what that policy is, the number of percent of weeks re required to meet reporting and the percentage of robust trade is something working within their organizations they really need to be clear on. Anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic, Dr. Dennis, as we point towards wrapping this up? So the biggest thing is historically the national cattlemen organizations and its affiliates have been pretty much against any government sort of regulation. And I think in the next coming months and really in the next couple of years, a lot of conversations are going to start happening about whether there should be some government intervention or not. And I think it's for it's, it's each and individual organizations to decide, you know, what I hope to do is to provide the industry just some unbiased research and saying, you know, this is what the policy is, this is what it would do. And these are some of the long-term implications of implementing a policy. And so, for example, one of the long-term implications that would potentially be positive is that it could potentially increase the level of negotiated trade. A downside is that it's probably going to modify people's behavior on how they sell cattle and they might shift from being to trying to earn as much money as they can to trying to avoid the policy tripping. And this could be said for a variety of other policies that were proposed during COVID-19 and the Holcomb fire. Um, I think the beef industry should really be, you know, look at 2020 and just be both proud and amazed just because with the severity of the packing plants, the geographical clustering and this, the backup of cattle, you know, that the industry was able and the market was able to work through that within really four or five months is just, it's just amazing. And so that just really goes to show that markets work. And although prices can fluctuate, that that's the way the, the market works through supply and demand disruptions is through reflecting that in prices. And I think the industry worked through those really remarkably in, in 2020. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Dr. Dennis. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Well, for more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.ed website. Again, the title of the article, The Likelihood of Regional Triggers Under the Industry's Proposed 75% Rule.